right. Man, wasn't that a cool video? My goodness. Okay, raise your hand if you helped make that. Just come on, shoot him up. Are you here, media team? Where are you? Where, you're not here? Man, you guys didn't come to watch your own video <laughs> debut? They're so humble, y'all. It's crazy. Um, that was a high quality video. Did you see that? That was so good. Man, way to go, y'all. Man, how many guys went to Revive with us? Raise your hand real quick. All right, how many guys are for sure going to Revive now, next year, after you saw that video? Come on. I know you want to. Man, so good. How you guys doing tonight? Doing good? Yeah. I'm not convinced yet. How you guys doing? You doing all right? Yeah. All right, all right. Hang on. I'm going to make sure you're doing better. How many guys believe God actually loves you right now? How many believe God's got the best for you? Yeah. He's with you. Yes? Good, good. He's with me. He loves me. He's got the best for me. I'm doing fine. So thanks for asking. Uh, if you're new here, anybody first time guest at, here at Antioch, raise your hand real quick. Just want to give you a shout out. Woo! Hey. Thank you so much for coming tonight. We love having guests in our house. Uh, my name is Mitchell. I'm the college pastor. I've been doing that for the last uh, several years now and love college students and we love having new faces here. And so I'd love to personally meet you, shake your hand, give you a side hug, do something, just say, what's up? So I want to know your name before you leave, all right? So stop by in the foyer afterwards. Okay, guys, y'all ready to jump into the message tonight? We are kicking off a four-week series called Walking with the Spirit. Okay, everybody say, Walking with the Spirit. Walking with the Spirit. So here's our overall purpose and goal for doing this series. We want, as a college ministry, to have a broader understanding of who is the Holy Spirit and what does he have to do with me. And I want to learn how to walk with him. Now, why does this matter? The Holy Spirit is absolutely central to us living out this Christian life. He is the key player in us having an effective and fruitful life in God. If we ignore him, we are in danger. Not only will you have a hard time being a Christian, but I dare to tell you that you can't follow Jesus and be a Christian and live the life without walking with the Holy Spirit. He is everything, and he's so uh, big, so powerful, so glorious, and he is absolutely um, all throughout Scripture, and we're going to dive into who he is, and as, man, as a college ministry, we want to go deeper into who is the Holy Spirit if he really is this much of a big deal in us following Jesus. So look at your neighbor and say, you definitely want to walk with the Holy Spirit. Awesome. Well, over this next four weeks, I'm going to give you a little breakdown of what's to come. So uh, tonight, we're going to focus in on a few things uh, about the Holy Spirit, kind of give you a broad overview, but then um, give you a few specific things that the Bible says that he does. Next week, you're going to hear from one of your very own fellow college students who's going to preach on the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Okay, come, on, come next week, figure out who that is. It might be you. Who knows? <laughs> week after that. You're going to hear from a mighty man of God that lives in India. His name is Bill, and he's been, he and his wife have been there for 
many, many years. Um, uh, they are leading a really a church planting movement in India, and they have seen God do some pretty incredible things. His power and his glory has been on display in India, and he's going to be here the, uh, the week after next uh, talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So you guys are going to hear some pretty powerful, incredible stories of God just showing up like he loves to do and just um, totally encountering people with his power. So you want to come there? That's the 18th. And then the last week of this series, we're going to wrap it up with talking about fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. Do you guys know that you don't, we don't just fellowship with one another. We can actually fellowship with the Spirit of God. Amen. And I think it's going to be an awesome setup and launch into our summers because I know no matter where you are, uh, whether it's College Station, Houston, you're overseas, you're in Indonesia, you're here, you're there, whatever you're doing, all of us have the Spirit of God with us, and we want to learn how to fellowship with Him every single moment of every single day. So I'm pumped about this series. You guys ready? All right. Well, first, before we dive into tonight, I'm going to let you guys uh, have a sweet little resource here that you're actually about to receive. Uh, It is a resource called, Who is the Holy Spirit and What Does He Do? Okay, we got some stellar passer routers here, so they're going to come. If you want to help volunteer to make it go quicker, you can just jump up, grab a stack, Help pass them things out. Clayton, why don't you do that? You can get this front row area. So um, you're about to get this. We need some folks over here to have a big old stack of these papers. I want to glance at this first before we dive into Scripture tonight. All right, all right. Raise your hand if you still need one. Raise your hand real high. Awesome. Go ahead and put your name and your date and your class section at the top. Just kidding. This isn't class, y'all. Just kidding. All right, here's what I want to identify. You ready? Y'all go ahead and glance at it. It's got two sides. The front side is the one on the top left that says the Holy Spirit is. Then it lists off a bunch of things the Holy Spirit is. Okay, so that's the front. I'm going to glance at those real quick. Holy Spirit is God. Somebody say amen. amen. <laughs> He's a person. He's the helper, the convictor, the guide, the teacher, the empowerer. He's the presence of Jesus in the here and now, and he is the sealer who marks us for total salvation and guarantees our inheritance in the life to come. I don't know about you guys, but he sounds like he's pretty incredible. <laughs> That's just a little snapshot of who he is. This resource is going to be tremendously helpful for you. I'm not going to go over this tonight. This is not the message, but I wanted you guys to have this in your hand because it is filled with scripture. And the front, the rest of the front, it um, lays out for us some really uh, key themes we find in scripture, one of which is it clarifies the difference between being sealed with the Holy Spirit upon salvation and then also clarifies the difference between that and the, uh, what the Bible calls the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Gives you all sorts of different, got a fan back there. Gives you all sorts of different verses and references and ideas to think about on that. And I highly encourage you to take this home and like read over this and look over these verses, okay? Uh, more than you believe what I tell you, I want you to look at this and look at Scripture to figure out the truth so that your foundation is on the Word of God. Amen? Okay, flip it over to the other side. On the back, it kind of breaks down what happens in our lives when we continually and intentionally invite the Holy Spirit into our lives. 
tells you a little bit of how you can um, cultivate a lifestyle where you're walking with the Spirit. And so this is absolutely an incredible resource. So I highly encourage you guys to glance over this. And don't just skim over these scriptures, but pull out your Bible, open, them, open up to these scriptures, and dive into this. All right? Now, why don't you go ahead and put this under your chair or in your notebook or somewhere, because I don't want to distract you the rest of the night, all right? Here you go, Jason. You can have mine, so I'm not distracted. All right, y'all. So here we go. Walking with the Spirit. So before we dive into kind of the main things we're going to talk about tonight with what the Holy Spirit does in our life, I wanted to address three things that you must be aware of uh, when you dive into the topic of who the Holy Spirit is. Some of these three things kind of hinder a lot of folks from diving into the depth and the goodness of who the Holy Spirit is. And so I want to talk about them to make sure that we address them before we go a little deeper. First thing you guys got to be aware of in regards to the Holy Spirit is that there might be some things that you don't understand. Here's a hint of why. He's God, (laughs) and he's infinite, and he's glorious, and sometimes hard to understand. So what do we do when we don't understand? It's really simple. We seek understanding. Actually, write that down. That's actually really good. When you don't understand something, instead of running away, you should intentionally seek understanding. Let me show you a little example from Scripture. This is crazy, y'all. This is from, you can write this down, Matthew 8. The very end of Matthew 8 is this really interesting and pretty weird story, and the people there that were experiencing this probably did not understand the work of God, the work of the Spirit that was happening. Okay, here, let me catch you up to speed, then we're going to look at a couple of verses. Jesus is interacting with two guys that are demon-possessed. Weird enough for you already, okay? They're demon-possessed, and then they're having this conversation with Jesus. Jesus, with the authority that he has, he commands these spirits to go. But what's so crazy is that these demons talking to him say, hey, will you, there's a bunch of pigs around the corner. Could you send us into those pigs? And Jesus says, yes. Okay, I don't know about you, but this is beyond my understanding. This is not normal. Has anybody, this happened to anybody today? Some pigs? Probably not. Pretty interesting story. And uh, the, the, the demons go into these pigs, they go off the cliff, and I want, you to, I, want, I want you to see this right here in Matthew 8, 33, 34. It says, after this crazy experience, here's what the herdsmen did. Matthew 8, 33, it says, the herdsmen fled. Okay, now, hopefully that makes sense to you. If you were to see this, you probably might run away. <laughs> so they fled, and going into the city, they told everything, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. Does anybody find that interesting? If I were to see this guy that obviously has got some sort of power, it might, even if I'm not understanding what's going on, I, I might want to at least ask him a couple questions, try to figure out what's going on. How do you have this power? But you know what they did? They said, go away. This is too beyond our understanding. And so... I, I don't even want to, like, go there. So literally, they tell Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah that came to save them, he, they begged him to go away. What's so crazy about this is sometimes when we don't understand things, we actually do the same thing. We push Jesus away and say, that's too beyond my understanding. This, same, this very thing happened my freshman year in regards to the topic of the Holy Spirit. I was checking out churches, and I went to a church event, another church in town that believes in the 
power of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and I show up to this meeting, and there's things going on I hadn't really seen before, and it was beyond my understanding. And so you know what I did? I literally got up before the meeting was over, and I left. I went, I like really loved God. I remember, I have these vivid memories of walking in my parking lot to my car. I'm like, God, what was that? I don't even know what I just showed up to. This was weird. I got in my car, and I left, and I didn't go back for a long time until, and it wasn't this church, by the way, <laughs> just to clarify, uh, until some, I got some understanding in a different way, but I, I, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I would have sought God with, for more understanding and sought um, other folks that were a part of this church to seek more understanding. And I want us to be a people that seek understanding when there are things that we don't understand. One of my greatest stories about seeing a guy do this here, there's a guy by the name of Hunter Malone, which some of you guys might know, but he and his wife are now serving for a whole year in Indonesia uh, with the Antioch team there. And so anybody going on the ETI trip this summer? Yeah? Cool, you might, you might meet them, but they were a part of our college ministry just a couple years ago. And I remember uh, after fall retreat of 2016, we had a night where we talked about the Holy Spirit and we're praying for people. And I get an email just a couple days later from Hunter and it said, hey Mitchell, I was at fall retreat. It was a great weekend, but we had that Holy Spirit night, and I've got lots of questions, man. Can we meet up and talk about it? And I said, of course. I'm so proud of you for emailing me and wanting to talk. So we met up at Lupus. Anybody a fan of Lupus? <laughs> me too. And we met, I remember just sitting outside of Lupus. We had our Bibles. We opened it up. We looked at Scripture, and this guy was eating it up. He was seeking understanding. And you know what happened? He, he got understanding. And he is more biblically grounded than ever before on who the Holy Spirit is and how does he operate in our life. Here's a promise from Scripture that I want all of us to make sure we, we don't forget as you experience things that you don't understand in life. This is from Jeremiah 29, verse 13. God says, this is God speaking, you will seek me and find me when you seek me or search for me with all of your heart. So in regards to the Holy Spirit, if there are things that you don't understand, then seek understanding. Second thing we need to be aware of regarding the Holy Spirit is that there might be things that you see or experience or, or even read in the Bible that contradict your current belief system. When I came into college, I had certain belief systems regarding the Holy Spirit that after several years of diving into Scripture, talking with people, and hungering for more of God's spirit and presence in my life, I now have a different belief system that is more scripturally backed than ever before. So, what does that mean for us? If there are things that contradict our current belief system, our role is to humble ourselves. Everybody say, humble myself. <laughs> and search scripture and be open to um, different things. Uh, when, I, when I think about this thing to be aware of, I'm reminded of, um, a group of people called the Bereans. They're a group of people in Acts chapter 17. The scripture will be um, behind the screen, or uh, behind me in the screen. And it's a group of people that they were approached by um, one of the wonderful apostles, and they were taught something that was contradictory to their current belief system. And I want you to see how they responded. This is Acts 17, verse 10 through 12. It says, The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness 
examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So stop there. Paul and Silas came. They were preaching Jesus. And these guys were like, well, this is different. This is interesting. But it says they were more noble-minded. They humbled themselves. They sought scripture daily. And here's what verse 12 says. Here's the result. Many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. So what's the result when we humble ourselves and go to Scripture is that we find truth. So as a people, as a college minister, I want us to adopt this as our game plan, is that anytime we're faced with things that contradict what we currently believe, that we humble ourselves, go to Scripture, and at the end of the day, despite our upbringing, despite what I'm so passionate about as a freshman, I had lots of passions and things I was convinced of, I would humble myself, humble yourself, and at the end of the day, land with what this teaches that's what the Bereans did. They didn't say, oh, okay, I'll just trust you, Paul. You seem like a nice guy. I don't want you to think that about me. Oh, yeah, he's cool. You know, give me a bro hug. Give me a side hug. I mean, he's cool. He's nice. I guess I'll just believe him. No, if what I say doesn't match up with this, then chunk what I say out the window. I want you to be a people that love and abide by and obey the word of God. Amen? I, like, really mean that. <laughs> so tell me if you think I'm saying something that doesn't line up with this. All right? All right. Thank you. All right, last thing you got to be aware of in regards to the Holy Spirit is there's always more. Come on. Always. Everybody say always. always. There is always more. John 3, 34 says that God gives the Spirit without measure. He gives us His Spirit without measure. There's some of you here that you're brand new to the Holy Spirit. A lot of things are, you don't understand. Some of you are here because, ooh, you, you know, you're ready to, to go to battle. You heard about a Holy Spirit talk. You're like, ooh, I, I know I'm going to battle because it's contradictory to what I believe. But some of you, I think maybe even the majority of you, are here and you have a little bit of ex- experience and understanding. And sometimes we fall into the trap that we think that we've kind of reached our plateau of how much of God and His Spirit and His presence we can experience. And I want you to know there's always more. There's more for me. I'm older than all of you, and I've experienced things in the Spirit longer, but there's, there's more for me. I'm expectant to, to experience and encounter more of His presence in the Spirit tonight. And so our response to there's always more is that we hunger for it. Jesus gave us His promise in Matthew 5, 6. He said, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. If we hunger for more of His Spirit and His presence in our life, he promises he's going to fill us. Isn't that a good promise, y'all? Yeah. All right. You guys good with kind of that, uh, that, that first step there, these things you got to be aware of? You good with this? All right. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to get into a little bit more specifically of what the Holy Spirit does. So pray with me. Lord, thank you that you are here in this room tonight. And Lord, thank you that you have brought every single person here on purpose And Lord, you have something very specific that you want to do and teach them and give them tonight. And Lord, I ask that you would do just that. You would give every person here exactly what you want to give them. God, we open up our hearts to you. We lay aside the things that need to be laid aside and we open our hearts to you, Lord. And we agree together that there's always more of you. So Spirit of God, would you come and would you have your way? Would you move upon our hearts in a fresh way, Lord? I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would set us free from anything that has weighed us down today or this week. I pray that discouragement would go in Jesus' name. I pray that lies would go in Jesus' name. I pray weariness would go in Jesus' name. Hopelessness, 
specifically uh, regarding families and and family members or hard family situations, I speak to hopelessness and I say, go in Jesus' name. And I pray that you would fill us with hope tonight by the Holy Spirit. Thank you that you are working and you are moving tonight and we trust you, Holy Spirit, to come and make your word clear to us and show us who you are, Holy Spirit, and what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, what does the Holy Spirit do? There's three things I'm gonna cover. They all start with the word see. Are you guys ready? You can write these down. The Holy Spirit convicts. Everybody say convicts. He counsels. Say counsels. And he consumes. Say consumes. Ooh, intense on that last one there. I know, it's gonna be good, y'all. If you got a Bible that wants to turn to John 16, okay? Let me see your Bibles. Turn there to John chapter 16. We're gonna hang out here just for a little bit. This is an awesome, clear passage that Jesus gives us as he's describing the Holy Spirit, who he is, and what he does. John chapter 16. When you are there, say, I am there. Awesome. If you need more time, say, I need more time, please. <laughs> if you don't have a Bible, that's all right. It'll be on the screen behind me. The Holy Spirit convicts. We're going to start there. John chapter 16, starting in verse 7. In my Bible, this is in red. So that means for some of your Bible, if you got red, it means Jesus is talking here. Here's what it says. John 16, 7. It says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will, what? He will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. So number one, what does the Holy Spirit do? This is not an exhaustive list, but I think it would be helpful for us to focus in on tonight. Evidence that the Holy Spirit is here at work is when, and, you, and that you're walking with the Spirit is that there is conviction upon your life. So what does convict even mean? I looked up a definition. It means clearly proven guilty, that you're wrong, that you need some help, and you need to change. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment to come. Now, let me clarify something for us. There is, a, there is a difference between conviction and condemnation. The Holy Spirit convicts, but the devil condemns. Condemnation leaves you with feelings of shame, and it leaves you feeling that there's no way out to whatever the it is that you just did. That, if you ever feel that, that's not conviction. Don't get these confused. So the devil would love to condemn you. But according to Romans 8, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ, amen? But we need his conviction. Here's the difference with conviction. Conviction, yes, it shows us that we're guilty and that we're, we're wrong and something needs to change, but it leads us to a place of hope for that change that's only found in Jesus. It actually leads us to Jesus. The greatest example of this is found in Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 36 and 37. It'll be on the screen behind me. This is right before some of our, one of our most beloved passages here at Antioch, the Acts 2, 42 to 47. Here's what happened right before. Peter stands up, preaches this incredible message, and here's what it says happens. Acts 2, 36. 
This is the end of Peter's message. It says, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. That's the ending of Peter's nice message. (laughs) You killed him, but he's Lord. Here's their response, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what do we do? This is a great example of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And this is right after the beginning of Acts 2 where the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost for the very first time. People were baptized. Crazy things were happening. This was an incredible moment. Peter gets up, preaches, ends his message on a nice, lighthearted note. And then they respond and they say, oh, I'm, I, am, I, am, I feel it on the inside. I, I feel something that makes me think that I need help. So they literally say, what do we do now? Next couple of verses, it says that they repent, they're baptized, and they become believers, and they are saved, and they are made new. And I believe these very people, uh, actually it tells us the next few verses, are the first ones that are brought into uh, the church, the body of Christ. Isn't that cool? That they were cut to the heart, they experienced a conviction, but it led to a place of hope, redemption, and freedom. That is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And that's what he loves to do, and Jesus makes it clear. Uh, it reminds me of an example of being really convicted by the, by the Holy Spirit. Uh, I was saved only for about four months or so, but one of the things that God was working on in me early on in my walk with him was my language. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but I used to cuss a lot. And uh, I didn't realize that it was, that, I mean, I know, you know morally it's not good. I didn't do it around my parents because I'd probably get in trouble, but I had no real conviction. Then I get saved. And I would do it a couple times, and I'd feel like, ah, something's off. And then I remember this one time at a basketball game um, that we were winning. We're up by 10. It was like the last few minutes, and somehow, someway, this other team goes on a run, and they go up by two, and there's like 30 seconds left, and I'm sitting on the sideline, and I wish I was in the game. And anyways, we, we end up losing the game, and I remember in that moment, I, I was so frustrated, and I out loud said God's name in vain. This was early in my Christian walk, all right, guys? So give me a break. But this actually turns into, honestly, one of my sweetest memories in my early walk with God. Because as after I said it, I said, oh, oh, no. I was still pretty frustrated that we lost, but I was like, oh, dang. And I remember after this game, getting in my car, I was alone in my car, and I had about a 15-minute drive home, and I just got in, and I just like kind of looked at God and said, Lord, I am so sorry, forgive me. And I remember weeping on my way home because I knew that the Spirit of God was convicting me and I grieved the heart of God because I used his name in that way. And I was meeting with God and I experienced in that moment, like the reason I was weeping is because I actually believed that he forgave me. And thank you, God. His conviction led to repentance, which allowed me to receive his mercy and his grace. And then I moved on. And that was a long time ago, and I've never used his name in vain since then. So here's what conviction does, is it allows us to take ownership for the things we do wrong, leads us to repent to God, and to repent to other people when it's necessary. Then we receive God's forgiveness, and then we move on. By the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, 
believing that we're not going to go back to the same things. And the result of us continuing to allow ourselves to be convicted by the Holy Spirit, the result is us walking in his holiness and living a holy lifestyle. Remember, this is the Holy Spirit. If we're walking in the Spirit, then we want our lifestyle to produce holiness in our lives. So the Holy Spirit, what does he do? He convicts. Next part, we're going to keep going in John 16. Starting in verse 12, this is um, the part where the Holy Spirit counsels. Everybody say counsels. Counsels. Here we go. John 16, starting in verse 12. Jesus continues. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. So the Holy Spirit here is described as the spirit of truth that guides us or leads us into all truth. Isn't that good? Isn't that comforting to know that you have the Holy Spirit that will lead you and guide you into truth? that he wants to counsel you and give you wisdom and give you advice and insight that's going to actually lead you into truth. Have any of you guys ever been in a situation where you just didn't know what to do or didn't know what to say? Or do you, like, have it all together all the time? <laughs> well, I've been in some of those situations before where I just, I, don't, I just don't have enough wisdom on myself and I must rely on the counsel and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Um, and a lot of times this plays itself out in conversations you might be having with people you don't know what to say, or in decisions, especially big life decisions. Anybody ever, anybody about to graduate? All right. Big life decisions ahead of what on earth do I do? And you're going to need not just your own wisdom, but you're going to need the counsel of the Holy Spirit. So for me, I was a couple weeks away from graduating. I didn't have a job yet, and there was... Uh, <laughs> an opportunity to have a job in Katy, where I'm from, um, teaching. And I had my teaching degree. I, I mean, it all looked great. But as I was praying and talking to God and, and asking him for his wisdom and for the Holy Spirit's guidance, I, the only thing that came to my mind was that I felt like God wanted me to stay here in College Station because he had something for me here. And I had long, hard conversations with my mom because she wanted me to move back home, save a bunch of money, work at the same high school that I made one last second shot at one time. And, you know, just, it all made sense. There was even a coaching opportunity to coach basketball. I mean, it just, it just made sense. It paid $15,000 more than the other schools in this area, it, it, like, per year. And I was like, you know, it all makes sense. But the, the, what I've got is I think the Lord's given me some wisdom to, to stay here. And so I, I decided to stay here, and I didn't have any other opportunities. But then a week later, an open door comes up to teach at Navasota High School. I taught there for two and a half years. But what was so cool about this whole story is just a couple months after I had this conversation and shut down this opportunity because I just was praying, talking to God about it, and it felt like he said, stay here. My mom tells me about six months later, she's like, that most interesting thing happened. You know that job that I told you about? Well, a guy got it, and turns out that um, by the end of that following semester, they decided to absorb that position, which means they got rid of this position and absorbed it into another class, kind of disseminated the students, and that guy is out of a job. 
That would have been me unless I had listened to God for his wisdom and his advice and his counsel and, and obeyed him. Isn't that crazy? And I kept a job for a couple of years. It's awesome. And then I, oh, and then I still continued to keep a job, and now I work here. So, sorry. That's, that's the rest of that story. So, hey, that's good. So, how do you... Now, now, let, me, let me make one comment here before you take this out of context. When you seek the counsel of the Holy Spirit, you don't just stop there, especially since you are all still young. What you do then is you seek why... You take the counsel that you believe you received from God, and then you submit it to wise counsel which would be other people at this church or people that you trust, that you submit the things that you feel like God is telling you to do to people that are wiser than you. Got it? And then they will confirm, hey, you're moving in the right direction, or hey, this seems really off, or they might just say, hey, I'm not quite sure. Just go with what you think is is best. And that will keep you in a safe direction following the Spirit's leading. So how do you get counsel from the Lord? Um, it's, it's pretty simple. All you got to do is quiet yourself, your own thoughts. You need to listen to God. You need to practice in your life daily, I believe, asking questions like this. Holy Spirit, what should I say? What should I do? Give me your wisdom. Psalm 46, verse 10, familiar verse, says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. But for us, our action step is be still and know that he is God. He wants to give us counsel and wisdom. He's good. All right, last thing that, the, not the last thing, but the last thing on my list that the Holy Spirit does after he convicts, after he counsels, is he consumes us. Now, here's what the word consumes means. It means to completely engulf to take over, to immerse as if in water, or if in the analogy of fire, to completely destroy. Now, in context of the Holy Spirit, him completely destroying us is a good thing. (laughs) For we are just un, we are just so undone by him that it feels like, oh, I'm destroyed. Can't get up. I'm just consumed with him. There's a couple of biblical uh, scriptures here about, about him consuming us. Luke 24, 49. This is Jesus talking. He says, Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Another translation says, You are endued, you are engulfed, you are consumed with power from on high. And in context of the fire example, Matthew 3, verse 11 says this, This is John the Baptist talking. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The Holy Spirit wants to consume us with his presence, with his power. He wants to take over. Not just that we have access to a little buddy over here that we can talk to sometimes, but he literally wants to take us over and consume us. Now, there's... There's times I've had with God, not hundreds, but there's a few times I've had with God where it's hard to explain, but I just like feel he's like consuming me and that he's all around me. Why does he do that? I don't know the answer, but a couple thoughts is that he just wants us to experience his love. He wants us to experience him. 
He wants us to know that he's really close and really near and really a God that's alive and not far off distant in the clouds. And he wants us to experience his love and he wants us to know he's with us and he wants to do things in us that we don't even know what he's doing. But that's not all. That's not the only reason why he would wants to consume us where we feel him all around us. He consumes us and he empowers us not just that we have a good feeling and emotional experience that we can tell people about and boast about. He comes upon us in power actually for the sake of others. For others' sake. Acts 1a, pretty familiar uh, scripture, makes this point so clear. It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you so that you will be what? My witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. God wants to give us the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants to consume us in him so that we would go out in his power, not our own, and be witnesses for him, telling the world about him, not in our own strength, not in our own wisdom, not in our own counsel, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants to send us out to bring hope to a world that needs it, y'all. And yes, it's, it's the world of Indonesia. It's the world of our nation. It's the world of our city. It's the world of people literally right next to us. He wants to give us his power and consume us so that we will be a blessing to others. I'm going to close it up with this story of my junior year of, of college and experiencing God really touching me and empowering me in such a, a significant way. Um, I, my parents owned a duplex um, over off Southwest Parkway in Cornell area. And um, because my parents owned it, I was kind of the point person that was going to be in charge. If something went wrong, I had to figure out a way to fix it, call somebody, all that stuff. So if something was wrong with our water heater or something, and I had to call an electrician. And uh, before he came, I was just praying, Lord, I know he's about to come over. It's just me and him. He's going to be here for a while working. God, would you, would you fill me with your spirit? Would you give me something that would be a blessing to this guy? And um, I got, I mean, a couple things came to my mind. Maybe just that when he was young, he didn't really feel very significant, and God wants him to know that he's significant. That came to my mind. But he came over. I'm interacting with him, small talking. And then um, he, I don't know what we were talking about, but maybe I saw something on his elbow. And he said that he had this injury pretty bad a while back where he was skateboarding, and he messed up his shoulder real bad and his elbow real bad. My response in the moment was, oh, cool, man. I didn't realize that that might have offended him. The reason I say cool, man, was because I like, wanted to pray for him and see maybe if the power of God would show up for this guy's sake. So I said, hey, this might sound crazy, but I follow Jesus. I believe that he can do anything, that he's powerful, that he answers prayer. Can I pray for you that God would heal you? Thankfully, he was open, and so he let me pray for him. So I just put a hand on his shoulder and began to pray. And um, it was about a 10-second prayer, and I honestly fumbled over some of my words, but it was really simple. God, would you heal this guy, this friend, would you take away this pain? Amen. After I was done praying, he's like, this is weird, man. I was like, what? <laughs> then I prayed for you? He's like, no, I just, I feel something in my chest. I was like, uh, is it good? Are you okay? <laughs> uh, he's like, I feel something. I said, well, how's your shoulder? How's your elbow? He's like, well, that's a little better, but I still got this, like, pop in my shoulder. And he says, why don't you feel it? Put your finger right there. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I put it there, and I, he was going like this, and I felt the pop. 
like over every time he did it. And so I said, hey, there, I remember this one story where Jesus prayed for a blind guy. He, one time he opened his eyes and he saw uh, people, but they looked like trees, which is another way to say it just looked really blurry. He couldn't tell the difference between people and trees. I said, and then in the Bible it says he prayed again. So is it okay if I pray again for you? He's like, sure. So I put my hand on his shoulder and pray again. And another 10-second prayer. And then afterwards, he's like, oh, no way. No way. He's like, feel it, bro. Feel it. And I did. I put my finger in the same exact spot I had before. And he was going like this. And there was no popping going on. God had healed him. It was amazing. And then I began to explain to him the gospel that, hey, this is why Jesus did this. It's because he loves you so much. And in fact, he proved his love for you by by several thousand years ago, getting on a cross to die for your sins, the things that separate us from God. He loves you. He thought of you. He wants to show you his power tonight because he wants to know he's real. He hasn't forgotten about you. You're significant to him. He loves you. And if you put your faith and trust in him, you can have eternal life. So I explained the gospel and I asked him if he wants that and wants to believe that he said yeah yeah i want that so he gave his life to jesus in my kitchen so that was cool and then i was just feeling bold and i said well you know the bible also talks about you know the perceiving the power of the holy spirit so can i pray that god would just empower you with the holy spirit because he wants to help you live out this christian life you can't do it in your own power your own strength and so he's like, sure. <laughs> like, like, I've already said yes to too many things. I'm kind of, you know, he just, he just wanted more. And so I began to pray for him to experience the power of the Holy Spirit and that God would just come upon him in power. And when I say amen, he's like, oh, this is weird. No man has ever made me feel this warm inside. So I feel this, like, heat on my chest. This is strange. I was like, yeah, that is a weird comment. <laughs> I didn't say that out loud. I'm like, yeah, okay. Uh, but he just encountered the power of the Holy Spirit, and his life was rocked and um, gave him one of my Bibles. And, and uh, man, that, that, I will not forget that moment because me and us experiencing the power of God, guys, it's not meant to stay just right here with us. You know, us in a, in a church building, gonna about to worship some more and say, Lord, Spirit of God, would you come and fall upon me and consume me or convict me or give me, you just come and fill me. Guys, it's not meant to stay here, okay? Because most of you are saved. All of you, in Jesus' name, will leave here saved. <laughs> and we're not just here for us, guys. We don't experience his power and his love just for us, but it's meant for a world that absolutely needs his love and power so much. And I want us to be a people that let him consume us so that the world would know that there's hope and there's power that is greater than what this world knows. We must be a people that walk with the Holy Spirit. We want to see this kind of stuff happen in our everyday life. So why don't you guys stand with me here as we close it up. We get some of our life completers, some sex leaders, come on down, make yourself available to pray for folks. So we like to close out our services with a time to just respond to what God is doing in our hearts. It could be a variety of things that he is doing. And the way that we can respond to him is by receiving prayer from somebody else. These folks are not perfect, but they care about you. They love you. Even if they don't know your name yet, and they want to um, believe God with you for whatever he's doing inside your heart. Um, couple specific things I feel like God wants to do with this room tonight is maybe there's some of you here that you need a little bit of unraveling with some of the things that I told you you might need to be aware of 
in regards to the Holy Spirit. Maybe this, all this stuff, even my entire message tonight is just like you don't understand it, you don't get it, or it's contradictory to what you currently believe. That's, honestly, that's fine, but I want to encourage you to do what Scripture says, which is to seek understanding and to humble yourself to go to His Word and to find what is actually true. There might also be some of you here that maybe you feel like you've uh, grown a little bit, uh, um, like you find yourself lacking in hunger for more of His of his presence. Maybe you feel like you've a little bit plateaued, and I believe God wants to set you right back on fire for him again, consume you with his power and his presence tonight, and show you that there's so much more. And then with the whole convicts, counsels, consumes things, if any of those things stick with you, if you maybe have been resisting the conviction of the Holy Spirit, now's the time to respond and embrace it, repent and receive your forgiveness, because God wants you to leave here with a fresh start. Maybe some of you need the counsel and the wisdom, the advice from God. He wants to give it to you, so let somebody come and pray that the Spirit of God would give you his counsel. Maybe some of you just want a fresh touch. Hopefully all of us want a fresh touch of the power of the Holy Spirit. He consumes us again, not just for our sake, but for the sake of the world that desperately needs more of him. So I'm gonna pray. If any of those things apply to you and you wanna partner with, uh, with somebody, have them pray over you, then come on down while I start praying. Lord, thank you so much for your spirit. Thank you that you did not leave us here alone, but you gave the Holy Spirit to us. Lord, we remember what you said in John 16, that it was to our advantage that you left the planet because then you sent the Spirit of God that can always be with us at all times. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your conviction. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your counsel. Thank you that you consume us with your love and your presence, not just for our sake, but Lord, for those around us. So God, would you come? We're here to hunger for more of you, to encounter you. So we open up our hearts. Would you come and meet with us? Come, Holy Spirit, have your way. Do what you want to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Come receive prayer if you guys want prayer for anything. If not, just worship where you are and connect with God.